Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. As much as I uh, love this gospel, I want to turn our attention to this first reading from St. Paul to the Romans. And again, I just am in awe of the providence, right? The providence of God and his timing. Today being, of course, election day. I got out there, I was at the, I did my, my civic duty, 6.33 in the morning, and the same conversation that happens every time happened again this morning. I didn't know that priests could vote. I just... There's a lot of things I gave up to be a priest, but the right to vote is not one of them. It just blows my mind. Anyway, so Paul in this first reading, he's exhorting the church in Rome. He's telling them about their duties towards one another, their duties towards God. He's commanding them, giving them all of this practical advice um, about love, their call to love, right? Let love be sincere. And in the midst of that, he says, hate what is evil. Hate what is evil. In the midst of his conversation about love, he tells them, hate what is evil. It's in the form of a command. Hate what is evil. You know how much I love etymology and knowing where words come from and the meaning of words, so I looked up. I wanted to know exactly what Paul meant by the word hate here. So it's the Greek word apostugeo, but I bet you all knew that. (laughs) I'll tell you, for those of you who don't know, apostugeo, it's a compound word. It's combining apo and stugeo. Apo means away, and stugeo means to hate, or, or it, it describes an intense dislike, an aversion, uh, a repugnance to something. So when those two words are combined, apostugeo, what it conveys is like a person who hates something so extremely that he literally backs away from it. Perhaps, perhaps a better translation that captures the connotation of apostugeo might be to abhor, like an abhorrence for something. So repulsed by it that you don't want anything, you don't want it anywhere near you, you don't want it to exist. An abhorrence for something. Where does Paul get this? This idea to command, hate what is evil, apostugeo. It comes out of the Psalms. It comes out of God's relationship with Israel. Psalm 97. Let those who love the Lord hate evil. For he guides the lives of his faithful ones and delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Let those who love the Lord. If you're going to love the Lord, you have to hate evil. It's that simple. You cannot be indifferent to evil. You cannot have a posture of moral neutrality towards evil. We ought to not tolerate Evil. Apostugeo. Like I've seen, I, I, I just, I've seen it a lot in my own hometown, but I've seen it, you know, driving elsewhere. But those signs, they really became popular after the summer of 2020, but the signs that read, hate has no home here, right? A big sign outside the house. Hate has no home here. And I've often thought, seeing those signs, how much I hate those signs. I've thought, hate better have a home there. It better have a place there. Like, I would hope that those parents in those homes with those signs are teaching their children implicitly or explicitly to to hate cruelty, to hate dishonesty, to hate when big and powerful people pick on, bully, hurt, injure, 
weak little people, I hope that they're teaching their children to hate the torture and murder of the innocent, to not be neutral to that, but to hate it. I would certainly imagine the folks in those homes with those signs are teaching their kids to hate racism, to hate sexism. I'm certain they are. To have a well-ordered civilization, to have a civilization all that gets off the ground, to have a well-ordered soul, a well-ordered society, there must be things that we hate. There must be things that we're dead set against, apostugeo, an abhorrence for it, zero tolerance for that. And if we're going to be disciples, right, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, if we love God, you have to hate evil. That's why he came, to make war against the source of evil. That's why he showed up. And it's really, really hard for most modern men and women because, like, to get your head wrapped around this because we're afraid to call anything evil at all. Like, who am I to just declare that that's evil, right? It's this perspective of relativism. It was Pope Benedict who said in his Regensburg address, he talked about the greatest threat facing civilization is relativism, moral relativism. People are like, what? Not nuclear war or, you know, global climate change stuff? No, relativism, he said. Relativism. This perspective of cultural relativism or moral relativism. And you hear people say things like this all the time. You hear pundits on podcasts and TV and all sorts of places say all the time, now that thing, things, everything that seems evil, well, it has to be contextualized. We need to back up. It needs to be situated within history and understand it through its proper context. It has to be nuanced. I've heard that a lot since October 7th with the massacre in Israel. And we've even had theologians in our own church, theologians of the highest rank, coming out and saying that there's no such thing as anything, there's no such thing as intrinsic evils anymore. Oh, it's just about, you know, the proportion of good versus evil and, you know, what's your intention and intentions can make seemingly evil things permissible. No, that's not true. That's not true. There are absolutely intrinsic evils. Unequivocally, there are intrinsic evils, things that are absolutely repugnant to the human person, to our dignity, to our end, to our flourishing, to love, to the good. There are absolutely intrinsic evils. John Paul II, he's, he, he settled this in his encyclical Veritatis Splendor. He settled this definitively because at the time there was all these theologians who were posturing and saying that, no, there's things that, there's things that you know, we once thought were evil, but they can be permissible. This is what he says, paragraph 83 of Veritatis Splendor. In the question of the morality of human acts, and in particular the question of whether there exist intrinsically evil acts, we find ourselves faced with the question of man himself, of his truth, and of the moral consequences flowing from that truth. By acknowledging the teaching and the existence of intrinsic evil in given human acts, the church remains faithful to the integral truth about man. She thus respects and promotes man in his dignity and vocation. Consequently, she must reject the theories set forth which contradict this truth. What John Paul II is saying is that there is an objective truth to our nature, right? Just like there's an objective truth to the engineering of a car's engine. 
There's an objective fuel that ought to be put into that engine to make it run and flourish. You are free to think. You are free to think and you're free to do whatever you want in terms of what you put in that gas tank. You can put orange juice in there for all I care. Coffee, because you run on coffee, right? But you are not free of the consequences that follow upon that. There's an objective nature to our humanity. So this issue one, the proposed constitutional amendment, it is evil. It is intrinsically evil because of what it seeks to accomplish, what it seeks to promote, what it will make possible, making it easier for people to destroy themselves, making it easier for, pe- for minors, right? Minors to obtain without parental consent abortions and abortions up through nine months, right? It'll make it easier for minors to obtain therapies to mutilate their bodies, sex change therapies. It will pave the way for the legalization of sex work. It removes protections for victims of human trafficking and for minors of those crimes. It will legalize, like I said, the most extreme and heinous third trimester abortions of perfectly viable, perfectly healthy babies. Like, good law, good law reflects the truth of things. A society with good laws makes it easier for people to be good. This is a very bad law. And like all the advertising that I've seen in support of this amendment, right, those people who want the yes on issue one, there's just so many outright lies. And where there is lies, there is the demonic mind at work. Like the advertisement that says that if this passes, there'll be no more care for women experiencing miscarriages, no more care for women experiencing ectopic pregnancies, tubal pregnancies. That's, that's lies. Those are lies. Like abortion is not the treatment or the procedure for a miscarriage, nor is an ectopic pregnancy treated by an abortion. And it's a lie. It's a lie that more women will die because they'll be, quote-unquote, forced to carry a baby to term. Less than, less than 1% of all abortions procured are for the stated reason of the health, the, the health of the mother being pitted against the life of the child. Less than 1%. This is from... United States, former United States Surgeon General Dr. C. Everett Koop, he stated this publicly, that in his 38 years as a pediatric surgeon, he was never aware of a single situation in which a preborn child's life had to be taken in order to save the life of the mother. He said the use of this argument to justify abortion in general was a smokescreen. It's almost never the case that it's life of mom versus life of the child. I mean, if, if a mother and child fall into the river, fall into a river while canoeing, and, and they begin to struggle, and you're standing on the shore, and you jump in to rescue them, you do not have to drown the child to save the mother. Like, you don't have to push the child's head underwater to save the mother. It might happen in the course of trying to save the mother that the child unfortunately slips under the water and dies while you're trying to rescue her, right? Just like the preborn child most likely wouldn't survive the chemo and radiation therapy that the mom elected to go through to treat her unexpected, unexpected cancer. But you don't, have to, 
You don't have to first murder the child to then save the mother's life. You don't have to do that. This proposed amendment, it's evil because in all of its aspects, in all of its parts, it militates against the flourishing of the human person. It's anti-human. It's at war with reality. And when you have an ideology that's at, that's at war with reality, all you're going to have in its wake are mountains of corpses and rivers of misery. And here's the reality, right? No matter, no matter the results of today's election, and I am hopeful. I might not sound like it this morning, but I am hopeful. No matter the results, though, like the Catholic Church will continue to cling to what is good, right? Cling to what is good, let love be sincere, hate what is evil. Like everything that we're shouting no against, is, it's a no that protects the great yes of humanity, the great yes of the human person, the great yes of the unborn, the great yes of the dignity of our maleness and femaleness, the great yes of marriage and family. Like everything we're saying no to is a no that militates against the goodness of humanity and will continue to cling to what is good. We'll continue to fund and support pregnancy centers and resource centers for women who are in unexpected pregnancy situations. No one does more for women who are in unexpected pregnancies than the Catholic Church. Nobody does more for them. And we'll continue to speak the truth about the human person, our dignity, our value, our destiny, and the beauty of maleness and femaleness, and that you cannot switch from one to the other. It's impossible. And we'll continue to preach about the sanctity of marriage. And most of all, we'll continue to fight for the unborn. So friends, today on this election day, as we render unto Caesar, let's call upon the intercession of Our Lady of Guadalupe, the patroness of the unborn and the patroness of this continent, and also St. Jude while we're at it. And let's pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.